Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. Today on the show, we are going to talk about verbal kint and the usual suspects in our, well, psychopathy series, I guess you'd say. Movies where we watch and there's usually a either a psychopathic character, a character that our culture believes is a psychopath, and then we address whether they are or aren't, what kind of psychopath they are, and then if we don't think that they're they meet the psychopathic traits that we use in psychology, then we talk about what they what what they are. Mm-hmm. So today, the usual suspects. Let me just talk a little bit about the description, just in case you live under a rock and you have not seen the 1995 crime drama, The Usual Suspects. It's about an hour and 45 minutes long. It gets amazing reviews still to this day. (laughs) It's just a, a classic. It's a favorite. And the description is, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist, says con man Kent played by Kevin Spacey, drawing a comparison to the most enigmatic criminal of all time, Kaiser Soze. Kent attempts to convince the feds that the mythic crime lord not only exists, but is also responsible for drawing Kent and his four partners into a multi-million dollar heist that ended with an explosion in San Pedro Harbor, leaving a few survivors. So in this movie, it's R-rated, so there's violence and strong language. In this movie, you have, you're flashing between present day which was 1995 and kevin spacey being interviewed by the fbi and the police and you're flashing back to the crimes what had happened leading up to that Mm -hmm. so i had not watched this movie in many many years i watched it when it first came out and then absolutely rewatched it once or twice probably in the late 90s early 2000s and then i haven't watched it since so i tried to go in blind in the sense that I knew the twists, and if you haven't seen the movie and you want to, we're going to spoil the movie. This is a movie that has twists. So here we go, spoiling. Turn it off if you haven't seen it and you want to. Go back, go watch it because it's a great movie, Mm -hmm. and then come back and and chat with us. I knew the twists, of course, but I had not remembered the ins and outs of it. And I really... I enjoyed it in a different way. I think when you don't know when you don't know the twists and stuff, it's a better movie. But but I also enjoyed all the performances of which I had forgotten that you know Kevin Pollack and Stephen Baldwin and Benicio del Toro. Oh my god, he was so funny. I had forgotten really that they were all in it. Mm-hmm. So what'd you think? Yeah, it had been it had been a long time since I had seen it, so I I agree with you. I forgot the ins and outs of it. I remember like the the you know, the bones of it and the performances are all really great. Benicio del Toro to this day is my favorite character in the movie because he's just such a mess. He's so hilarious. He comes in, you don't can't understand a word he's saying he's in English, please. And what it, the fuck? And he's speaking English, but his accent is so weird it's that they're so, just like, they, like where is he from? Yeah. You can't really yeah, figure it out. And I'm sure I haven't read the script for the usual suspects, but I'm sure it just says like unintelligible. Or whatever, yeah, yeah. Like no one can understand sure. him or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, this is this this was uh, really unique for its time. Very. I still think it's it still holds as a really good movie. It's very diff- much. It's different watching it now. 
I was much younger when it came out. And so like there's certain things that I understood more watching it, obviously watching it as a psychologist now than watching it as like a teenager or whatever, when it came out, I've watched it a couple of times since, but you know, we always watch it differently for the purpose of, or of the podcast for the podcast. Right. I mean, it's well shot. It's well edited. Oh, yeah. All of that is, is on point and, mm-hmm. and you don't really realize how much that stuff matters until you watch a million films. Right. <laughs> and then you realize it really does matter. Matter. It's also a pretty simple plot. But the way they've done the right now and back in the day, you know, like doing those two POVs and then also just the the layering on mm-hmm. of what seems like different facts and different things. And it just becomes this whole full, full-blooded, complicated story. And then in the end, you realize that it's all from Verbal's you know, or Kevin Spacey, you know, we don't know what his name is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It all comes from his imagination. Right. And you've really been drug along on this journey and you're really into all these details. And it just, it's a, it's a great expose of what very good liars do. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. they give you lots of detail, but not so much detail. Cause of course a lot of detail is a, is a clue to lies, mm-hmm. but yeah. Interesting. So in the sense of whether or not Verbal Kent is a psychopath, what, what are your thought, initial thoughts? To be honest with you, I, I think that there's a lot of stuff about the origin of his character that's left out, intentionally left out. So uh, I think that you could look at it a couple of ways. I mean, clearly he's he is a puppet master. He's a master manipulator. Um, he was the one who controlled the whole narrative and the story and wanted certain outcomes. So I, I definitely think there's an antisocial disposition to him. Um, you know, whether obviously we know that there aren't any, as far as we know, neurological deficits, he does not have cerebral palsy that is not going on. So based on the fact that like, we're not seeing, you know, narcissism as a central component to him, this was really about someone who, um, would, would do anything to get his way um, to and to get away with something. So I feel like uh, I, I saw him as a psychopath personally. I did too. Yeah. Because if you, if you go to the end of the movie and you realize that Kevin Spacey's character of Verbal Kent is hypothetically this mythological creature of, of Kaiser Soze, which may or may not exist, honestly. Right. It's all a fabrication. Yeah. I'm sure that if that were a real person, his name is, you know, Bob from Minnesota or something. Right. I mean, it's a mythology. And if the mythology, if the murders that he creates, Kaiser Soze, if any of that is true, which we actually don't know if it's true or not, he creates that mythology to create Kaiser Soze, so the people are looking for that character and not looking at him as the as the you know Machiavellian creator of this whole thing. If any of those murders are true, like he murdered his family just so that they weren't used against him, mm-hmm. if any of that's true, then absolutely he's a psychopath. Right. What what we do know is that whatever Kevin Spacey's real name is in the movie, <laughs> he has a he has one of the, I mean, whether you believe in the dark triad qualities or not, mm-hmm. you know, he has the Machiavellianism, mm-hmm. which just so everyone knows is a personality trait. That's an indifference to morality, a callousness, 
highly manipulative. And if you don't know what the dark triad is, it's something that's talked about in psychological circles. It's narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy. So, yeah, I mean, I think that um, he, what made him such a, a, a psychopath to me was he he was willing to dumb himself down and appear weaker, which narcissists won't do, right? He, he was willing to do whatever it took to get his needs met, where someone who's purely narcissistic, and we know that obviously psychopaths have, have components of narcissism in there, but one thing that makes them really dangerous is that they will, they will shape shift into whatever they need to, even if that appears weak, outwardly where a narcissist would never do that. They would always have to appear a certain way, which is oftentimes why they give themselves away and why psychopaths as sophisticated as verbal can do this for long periods of time. Yeah. And I don't want people to get confused with the narcissist word, meaning she's talking about a diagnosable narcissistic personality disorder. Whereas I do, I believe that, and I think you would agree with this, is that to be a, a psychopath or to have the Machiavellian psychology, it, honestly, to get up in the morning, but f- to have those traits, you have to have a certain amount of narcissism. 100%. Because he believes he can get away with it. That's right. That's very narcissistic. Right. He believes that he deserves to get away with it, that he's obviously a criminal mastermind, even right. though we don't know anything about him. And so I, I just want to pull that apart. That's right. Because he has narcissism, dark bad, negative, toxic narcissism. Mm -hmm. He just might not fit the narcissistic personality. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, and that's well put, it's not what's driving the car. Mm -hmm. It's what's getting him up. It's what's giving him the ego. It's what's giving him that entitlement. But it's the psychopathy that's driving the car. Totally agree. Yeah. What about the other characters in this? Stephen Baldwin's character. Criminal pathology, a follower. Yeah. A lot of bluster. Yep. A lot of, I'm going to get you, man, you know. Mm-hmm. Over the <laughs> but, top. But just kind of yeah. a, a criminal. Not any of the other oh, things. Oh, no. Unsophisticated. Yeah. Violent. Violent. But you see, criminal behavior, being a criminal, isn't necessarily narcissistic, isn't necessarily psychopathic. Psycho- that's right. And all of that. Yeah. So, like, I think people think of, oh, well, if someone's a criminal, then they're going to be a psychopath or they are no, a psychopath. No, this is a guy but that very wanted, different. This is a guy that was... Um, you know, driven by adrenaline. He wanted money. Mm-hmm. He di- he didn't care. I mean, there's certainly like, antisocial traits there for sure, for sure. but Absolutely. not not psychopathy. But yeah, he was he was an opportunist. He's like, right, just tell me where I need to be. I'll fucking take him out. He was a mess, right? Yeah, and stuff like that's usually driven by, uh, honestly, a lot of times driven by a, a childhood where, you know, you just got to take care of yourself and get your own needs exactly. met and there's no money or, yep. you know, they got petty crimes to yep. start out just to survive. You know, a lot of times we just see those stories over and over and over again. Right. Benicio del Toro. <laughs> she just started laughing. You can't hear her because her laugh is silent, but <laughs> he, he makes this movie for me. He's hilarious. Yeah. He makes this movie for me. I I don't know how I really, I I think that his character was also just looking for an opportunity. We don't Mm -hmm. know where he comes from. Mm -hmm. We we know. They don't give you a lot of information. They just make him sort of funny. Yeah, we know he's not American. Um, He's probably over in 
the states to do something illegal to make money, yeah. right? So he's kind of jumping on to whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. He really has no fear response. He's like, whatever, just tell me where I need to be and what I need to do. No, I, I just remember in the beginning when they have the lineup and they yes. hand him the card to read the line mm -hmm. in the lineup and he just starts laughing. Yeah. He just thinks it's super funny. Yeah. And that just shows that incongruent affect of like no fear. Yep. He doesn't just, really care what happens to him. He doesn't really care. Figures he can, so some narcissism there, yeah. right? Just figures he'll get out of it and move on to yeah. the next thing or kill yeah. somebody or whatever. Yeah. Let's see. Kevin Pollock's character, whose name I don't remember, but. Hmm. Kevin Pollock's character. He, I mean, he was one of the, like the smarter, more organized. Yeah. Guys. Like know? he could have been in charge, but he wasn't. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. And you did get the sense that Kevin Spacey's character was in charge but but not in charge it's really interesting yeah. how watching this from a knowing standpoint watching this from knowing what it was and how it ends and how much discussion there's been about this movie over the years and watching it from a psychological perspective it was really interesting because I just really watched Kevin Spacey's performance throughout the whole thing and he gives it away well, the one thing multiple that, times, the one thing that he that he's in charge, he does well is he makes Gabriel Byrne feel really powerful. Yes. And then he. What's the word I'm looking for? He sells him out. Yes. Right. It's like he and this is another. I he think, uses his own hubris. He does. And narcissism against him, which is super manipulative and incredibly talented manipulation. Yes. And so he makes Gabriel Byrne feel incredibly unique and special and the most intelligent of the group. And then, you know, he sells him he out. he blames it on him. Yeah. He goes, well, look at look at him. He's the one. Look at how. Perfect. Yep. It's a perfect. Yeah. And he convinces the FBI agent that it is him. Yeah. And it's just a perfect manipulation. Gabriel Byrne's character is really interesting, too, because he does play this very silent, narcissistic, quiet, almost like he doesn't really belong with these derelicts, but he's in it. That he's above them all. He's above them all. And he's the ringleader. And, yep. and so as an audience, that is what you're supposed to believe. You mm -hmm. are supposed to, we buy that Gabriel Byrne is a mastermind because of that. It's like, okay, I can imagine in the casting, like here's the slick guy that's in charge and knows stuff mm -hmm. and has a mysterious air about him and knows what's going on and seems to plot and plan everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, well, he must be Kaiser Soze. <laughs> right. Mean, but that's obviously an obvious get as well. Right. But we all bought it. I we, mean, most people. We did. We watched this movie in 1995, and we were like, what? I, mean, I still think the, that, that last seven minutes of the movie where you start to yeah. see him come out of his game. Yes. To this day, even though I know it's going to happen, it's like you just can't miss that part. I know. It's so good. It's so good. It's still so good. I will say I did enjoy watching the movie and watching, just really paying attention to Kevin Spacey's performance. Because mm -hmm. no matter what you think of the actor, it's just an exceptional performance. It really is. And when you know the twist, he does give it away along the way, right? With just a look or a this or that. There's nothing to give it away necessarily in the plot, but just the way he plays it. It's so close to the vest, but if you know the ending, it's like, ah, oh, you just, lo I just love watching the character have the reactions. It's just such a nuanced thing for an actor to 
play what they need to play in the scene for the audience to believe what's happening, but also play the underlying manipulation? Well, I think it's, it's a totally different movie when you watch it that way, when you know who he is. Mm-hmm. It's good both ways. It is good both ways. Because when you know who he is and then you watch it again, that's exactly what it is. is you can watch his psychology play out. Yeah. Which was incredibly interesting to me this time for whatever reason. I think maybe because we were watching it for the show. So I was definitely paying more attention to that so mm-hmm. that I could have an opinion. <laughs> and yeah. Say something relatively, you know, intelligent about it. But I do believe that this character qualifies to be a psychopath for yeah, sure. I do too. I think that, um, I don't know if there's really been a movie like this made since this movie either. I mean, there's a lot of movies that are about heists and things like that. A lot. But this was really a, a very different, and no one ever really, you can't re- try to remake a concept like this. No, I think the only thing that would come close is if you had a crime drama that had a twist at the end. Yeah. Like that's really where... The audience is led to believe one thing for an hour and a half mm-hmm. and successfully can dupe an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the audience, some people are going to catch on to something, but that's not like really a reason not to like a movie. It's just more that most people are going to buy it and then have a twist. Right. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's still good. <laughs> it's still good. Like you said, either either way, it's good. So yep. thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.